education times action will equal your results, okay? You get educated, you take action, you get a deal. But then, then the, the really hard work starts because now you've got to create that well-oiled machine with systems where you can plug employees in and scale. So that's the next step to it. So it's just understanding, are you a good fit to create that well-oiled machine or are you better as someone that is inserted to execute? And execution's hard and it's not easy. So it's not like we're saying, oh, one is so superior to the other. It's just knowing where you, know, you fit in and, and you know, really where your strengths are. I, I do believe in strength finders and, and and if you can't figure that out, then what you do is you can partner with somebody. Maybe you can raise money on a deal and become a quote unquote, what they call a sub syndicator, where you're raising money for somebody else's yep. deal. Start out that way. So there's so many different ways to start out. Um, and people just think, hey, I've got to buy my own deal. I've got to do my own stuff. You'll start seeing as you start growing, it's hard to do everything on your own. Hey, this is your host, Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal, where we talk real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned with successful real estate entrepreneurs to help you on your journey to financial freedom. If you find value in this episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend. Lastly, make sure to follow the Financial Freedom Journal Real Estate Investing Group on Facebook. We're building a community that's dedicated to helping you transact your next deal. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal. Today, we have very, very special guests. We got uh, two guys that I really, really look up to, Jake and Gino. Um, give you a quick bio of the two really quick, Jake Stinziano and uh, Gino Barbaro, better known as the real estate investment powerhouse duo. Uh, Jake and Gino, there you go, flex off the muscles. <laughs> Jake and Gino, they're <laughs> investors, business owners, best-selling authors, and entrepreneurs who've grown their real estate portfolio to over 1,400 multifamily units. Jake and Gino also manage a multifamily real estate education company that offers coaching and training in real estate, uh, founded on their core principles, buy right, manage right, and finance, uh, finance right. Uh, welcome to the show. Really, really appreciate you guys coming on. Hey, Dan, good morning. Excited, let's get this thing kicked off, man. All right, let's do it, let's do it. So, um, first thing first thing I start off with is, how'd you guys get started in real estate investing? Did you guys start single family and then scale yourself, uh, scale your, your way up, or what prompted uh, real estate investing for you? Well, I started a long time ago. I bought a fourplex with my brother back in 2002 in New York when I was living in New York. And I just started because I had some extra money and I wanted to invest in real estate. And everybody said it's, said it's a good thing. You know, it makes real estate always goes up. So I said, okay, I'll buy it. You know, I still own that property. Um, it's still cash flow is pretty good, but that's for another story. Spent too much. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know how to underwrite a deal. Didn't know what the market was. Didn't know how to take care of tenants. Didn't know it was a business. All goes on and on and on, but I'm, I'm glad I got into it. I got into it just for, you know, a little additional money. Back then, I only had two kids. So I'm like, you know what? I make a few extra bucks. I'll be happy. The restaurant's doing good. Um, you know, 2002 was a different world than it is now. There was no internet. I had a mom and pop restaurant. We were doing really well. 2008 comes along and everything starts shifting. Uh, food service goes into a different direction. Uh, the recession really, you know, hampers a lot of people. So I start looking through real estate, start getting, you know, real estate coaching because I bought a couple other properties I made huge mistakes on. I got into um, a home park and I got into a strip mall, which is uh, mixed residential. And it wasn't good, mixed use. It was, just wasn't good. So I said, I have to learn. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I spent about the next 18 months after that educating myself. I had known Jake from the restaurant. He was um, doing some catering. He was a pharmaceutical rep. 
And I heard that he was moving down to Knoxville. And I said, well, this might be a pretty good opportunity for me to go to a different market. I had already gone up to Rochester, New York and bought a couple of duplexes. I'm like, Knoxville sounds good. It's, I know, heard it was an emerging market. It was the third or fourth city to actually emerge from the recession. People are moving down there. It is a right to work state. There's no state income tax. Um, it's got a quality of life. You know, people can afford to live there. I said, let me give it a shot. So when Jake got down there, we just started looking at properties. And I know for him, uh, it was just a grind of corporate. And for me, it was just trying to make a few more bucks for my family. Yeah, but I think, I think even if you want to peel that onion back a little bit more, it was a story of two guys that were really stuck in their lives. I was in a, in a corporate job that, and it was in sales, and it was, it was good for me because I was out on the road, but at the same time, it was, there was layoffs every year. They would tell you to go home and sit by your phone and wait for the call. Gino, when I first met him, I tell this story all the time. He was sitting in the back of the restaurant for the, the YouTube folks. His arms were crossed, and he just looked angry. And his brother was, you know, in, in the front of the house, and, and we were always, you know, going to Yankee games and hanging out. And I was always wondering why Gino was so frustrated. But if you would have, if I would have asked him, it was because dishwashers aren't showing up. He's having to wash the dishes. You know, he's just in the back doing $12 an hour work and, he, and he's getting educated on real estate. and He's buying these deals, but at, at his job, which he owned, he was doing the grunt labor. So he's like, something's got to give here. So he was pissed off doing that. I was really unsure. Am I going to have a job next week? And it was coming up time and time again. So, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, what's true to our core, we're, we're both family guys. We want to make it happen for our family. We want to improve the lives of others as we've grown the business. And we just were not in the right position. We were not in the right vehicle to live our fullest lives. And that's really, uh, you know, how we came together and how multifamily really changed, you know, our, our entire world. I mean, it is just revolutionized my life as I know it's done for Gino. So. So that's awesome. That's the, the power of real estate. That's what, that's what we preach uh, so often, how real estate can um, help give you the type of life that you actually want to live. I mean, you said it, you said it yourself, you were kind of pissed off in your job. There's a lot of uncertainty. You weren't sure, hey, am I going to get laid off today or not? And you got Gino in the background like this. Just pissed off because the dishwasher didn't show up. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't living my fullest life. I was not in the right seat. Uh, I, you know, time and time again, I would go to these these company retreats where they do a three day event, and they would do sales training, and I would be stuck in a room for three days. And Gino knows this better than anybody. If you put me in a box for three days, I start to lose my mind. Like I got to be active, I got to be doing stuff. And when they would, put, yeah, they would literally put me in those rooms, and I was like, I'm going to say something that's going to get me fired. And and it was like time and time again, either it was going to be a layoff, or I was going to say something stupid because I didn't agree with what they were doing, and I wanted to be driving the ship. So it was good to finally put myself. In it was put in the right butt in the right seat and it just took time to, you know, evolve and understand how to get there. And that, and I'm just thankful that real estate's created that opportunity for me. Now that's the difference. Jake can say anything stupid he wants and he can't get fired. Right. So that's <laughs> good. Not, right? <laughs> and it wasn't, it was solutions oriented though. It wasn't like I was saying, Oh, you, 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 you guys are idiots. You're doing this. It was like, I was literally trying to make the place better because I saw opportunities, but it just wasn't the time for it. There was, there was regulations getting imposed through the sunshine act. And it was just a time of, of compression and I, and I always have an abundance mentality. So there was just a whole lot of, uh, you know, rubs and going in the wrong direction there. I Definitely understand. That's, that's a uh, great information there. So transition over to your first deal, right? So um, you're in the, in the restaurant business and then the financial industry as well. You, you guys are kind of frustrated, prompted you to find, find real estate, get into multifamily homes. Let's talk about that first deal. Uh, how was it using that framework, the uh, manage, manage, excuse me, the buy it, 
manage it and finance it? How did you do that? Well, let's take a step back. I always tell my students, um, it was back in 2013, we bought the first deal. <clears throat> I had gone through education and training. I knew how to underwrite deals. I had even bought some deals. <clears throat> and yet it still took Jake and I 18 months to find and close that first deal. So it's not like you're going to join a platform or join an education group and three months later, you're going to buy a deal. That might happen. And man, if that happens, you're going to be off to the races. But for us, we struggled a little bit because we really were unsure of the market. We, we you know, Stenziano and Barbaro in Tennessee, you know, that doesn't go too far when you first don't know anybody, right? So um, it was hard networking with brokers. It was hard finding deals, even though there were deals back in 2013. It was just, you know, when you first start out, you're unsure of yourself. Um, I knew how to underwrite the deal. So I, I knew how to buy right because I was looking at numbers up here that didn't make sense. So the first part of the framework was to buy right. And what were we looking for? We were looking for A caps, which you could find back then. We were looking for 10% cash on cash returns, which you could find back then. And debt coverage ratios of 1.3 to 1.4. So the parameters were there. <clears throat> it's just that your, your first deal, you're scared. You don't know how to do it. The manage right, we didn't know at all. We figured that out as we bought our first deal, right? So, And the finance right, everyone who finances their first deal in commercial usually make mistakes. That first deal we had some pretty crappy terms because we had owner financing. So it was great. We got 10% owner financing. We need to come up with 10% of the down payment. And I remember, you know, talking to the bank and the bank held the note, um, held the note on from the seller. So that's why we used the same bank. We didn't even go out and net. We, we, we just said, you know what, whatever you want to give us, give us. And there was no negotiation. And that's what a lot of movies do in their first deal. They're just happy that the bank's willing to give them money. And I think that's changed in the last five or six years because there's a lot of banks out there that are being really competitive. I mean, we had an interest rate of 6% on this deal. And, you know, when we, we refied it 18 months later, the rate went down to 4.25. We had a 20 year amortization. And went to 25 years. So the term went from five to seven also. So um, we just were happy to get in there. So we obviously were lucky that we bought it right. That was the most best thing. And as we got in there, we started learning how to manage the property. And 18 months later, as we refinanced it out, we refined it out finally after 18 months and we did the finance right. Correct. I want to take a deep dive into what our lives looked like at that point, because this is, this is the question, you know, for the folks listening do you want to be an entrepreneur or do you want to be an employee? And I'm going to answer that in a second because what our lives looked like on that first deal, I was working a full-time job. I was taking calls on a, like a burner cell phone that I picked up because I didn't want the, I didn't want the resonant calls going to my normal phone and, and getting the things crossed. So I had this burner cell phone. I'm doing leasing calls while I'm on the road uh, driving from, you know, different hospitals and doctor's offices and things. Gino sneaking in the back of his restaurant, taking calls from me because he's coaching me up as we're going. Cause he has management experience at the time. He doesn't want his mom to find out that he's buying properties in Tennessee <laughs> at the restaurant working with his mom. So he's ducking in the back behind the shed. Okay. And then, and then I'm going to the property at night. I'm going to the property at Saturday mornings. We're, we're figuring out how to manage you know, while we're both working full time, I'm, I'm trying to meet people at McDonald's to pick up rent checks because it was a very rough property. This is, this is 80 hour a week stuff in the beginning. And that's why I want folks to realize if you want that lifestyle, when you're starting out, there's better ways to do it. And we teach on that now, and there's better systems you can put in place. But if you're going to take the entrepreneurial route, 
you have to be willing to bootstrap in the beginning. I don't care what it is because we set each entity up as its own solo business with its own solo bank accounts. We want every entity that we control, I don't know if there's 25 or 26 of them now, to be able to support itself. And that's a key to this business. You can't just you know, start shifting funds all, you know, all around. You have to be setting entities up that can support themselves. So it was very much, we put our head down and we just, we grounded out in the beginning. And, you know, it was, it was challenging, challenging residents, challenging understanding the framework, but we, we learned every piece of the framework through doing, and that's how we created buy right, manage right, and finance right. And we, we learned from doing the process over and over again, what it takes, and, and it's not rocket science, it's, it's income versus expenses, and it's a three-legged stool. If you buy it right, that's fixed, you better nail that on the front end or you're going to be in trouble. The finance piece, we're looking for long-term fixed rate financing. That will help you weather the storms because your, your expense costs are going to be fixed. You're going to have that long-term uh, rate risk is going to be taken off the table. And then the final lever from there is how you're going to manage it. And a lot of people will get into syndications and almost push it off onto the property management. Those are your employees, essentially. You need to be managing those folks and taking control of it if you're an asset manager or whatever, if you're the syndicator. So even if you don't manage your own stuff like we do, you need to be the leader and in control and, and really uh, you know, steering the ship regardless if, if you uh, are a part of the property management company. So I just challenge people to, to understand where they want to be. Like it, it, This works for us. We're definitely having the entrepreneurial mindset. But if you're going to get into it, you better be you know, ready to put the, the hours in uh, to make sure it works in the front end. Yeah, you just mentioned so many key, key things there. Um, it's number one, especially the difference between an entrepreneur or an employee, right? Whether you want to build the systems, build the teams, um, have, build a correct or do you framework. Want to be a part of the, or do you want to be a part of the system? And that's, and that's the idea. Do you want to lead and create? Or, do you, or are you the person that doesn't feel comfortable with that and you need to be inserted into you know, a well-oiled machine? And that's, and that's really every, every day now. I, I joke about this and sorry to cut you off, but I say that in the beginning of real estate, it's education times action will equal your results. Okay? You get educated, you take action, you get a deal. But then, then the, the really hard work starts because now you've got to create that well-oiled machine with systems where you can plug employees in and scale. So that's the next step to it. So it's just understanding, are you a good fit to create that well-oiled machine or are you better as someone that is inserted to execute? And execution is hard and it's not easy. So it's not like we're saying oh, one is so superior to the other. It's just knowing where you, know, you fit in and, and you know, really where your strengths are. I, I do believe in strength finders and, and and if you can't figure that out, then what you do is you can partner with somebody. Maybe you can raise money on a deal and become a quote unquote, what they call a sub syndicator, where you're raising money for somebody else's yep. deal. Start out that way. So there's so many different ways to start out. Um, and people just think, hey, I've got to buy my own deal. I've got to do my own stuff. You'll start seeing as you start growing, it's hard to do everything on your own. It really is. In the beginning, that's the, that's the scary thing about being an entrepreneur, right? You have to learn everything and it's all about having control. But if you don't know how to delegate and, you know, dictate, delegate and disappear, unfortunately, it's going to be hard for you. And it was hard for me for all those years because that's why maybe I was in the kitchen for that long. I didn't know how to delegate properly or maybe I wasn't hiring the right people. I didn't have the right culture fit. And in the beginning, don't worry about that. Your first 100 units, 150 units, I don't think you're going to be overwhelmed by doing that. But when we hit 650 units, I remember saying to Jake, we took a pause, like an 18-month pause. We had crappy property management software. We didn't have proper systems. I don't know how that we even got to 650 units, really. I have no idea. And, and we got, <laughs> really, we got there, and then we said, okay, we got to hire a regional manager. That's what we need. 
but it's scary because you got to come up with 70, 75 grand for somebody else on the payroll. So, okay, we need to do that. So where do we have to cut? And I'm, oh man, I'm not going to be doing all the leasing calls. I'm not going to be doing all this stuff. I have to give that up. But if you, it's not like you just give it up. You have to create the system, figure out what you're doing, map it out and then actually teach people and plug them in. And that's really hard because people, you know, then they say they work in the business, not on the business. That's working on the business. And that's a really hard thing for a quote unquote person who's being an entrepreneur in the beginning because it's all about that control. It's all about that I have to do everything and growth. And I heard Dan Gilbert, is that guy, the guy who owns the Cavs? I heard he owns Quicken Loans and a couple hundred businesses. And I was talking to somebody who knows him. He's a control freak, but I think guy had, is, had a heart attack or whatever, got sick or whatever. I mean, he's not in great health because he controls everything. And I don't think that's the lifestyle that an entrepreneur wants. We, be able, we, want, we want to grow. We want to be able to have put people on our, on, our, on our teams that we like. We call it the Geno Sniff Test. You got to work with people you like because if you don't like them, there's no sense of working with people, right, Jake? And I think as you grow, <laughs> you know that and you know that works too, right? I mean, if you can't have a beer with somebody, you can't work with them. That's just bottom line. So, And as you grow, you just start letting go a little bit at a time. Start with a VA. Start small. And then as, as, as the VA goes, I remember when Jake and I, when we first started, the first two years, Jake was actually um, doing the podcast. He was actually editing the podcast. And that was such a soul suck. For two years, we did I that. I hated it. I know. And, and then I was we said, so bad at it. It was like me doing bookkeeping. Just and that, was the, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first employee we had with Jake and Gino. It's like, okay, we got to do the podcast. And then from there you slow down, then you hire a salesperson, then you hire an operations manager, but it's small steps. It doesn't happen all at once and you grow into the role. So yeah. The other thing too, is if you have employees currently and you're working on systems and, and an employee brings an issue to you or a question, they'll say, Hey, how do, how do I do this? And then what will happen is they're going to, they'll continue to ask, how do I do? How do I do? How do I do? And if you keep supplying the answers, that will become this kind of cycle where it's just sucking your brain power. How do I do? How do I do? And then you're having to come up with solutions. Oh, you do it like this. You do it like this. And it's this kind of like a death spiral. What you need to do is, is literally downshift, pull the e-brake immediately and start to empower people and say, how would you handle this situation? It's almost a knee jerk every time an employee asks me now, how, how should I do this or what should I do? And I'll say, what are you thinking? How do you think you want to solve this? And then it empowers them to then they're going to start thinking and come up with creative solutions. And the more you work together, we do something called a weekly L10. It's a level 10 meeting. So we have so many touch points that my employees almost can start to regurgitate what I'm going to say because we have such a rhythm together. So now when they'll ask those questions, 99% of the time now, they're going to say the same thing I would have said. And it, and it creates less questions and less of my brain power being extracted because we've had so many touch points and such a cadence and a rhythm together. So I challenge you with your employees, ask them how they would handle it. There may be tweaks and it's going to take some time. It's not going to be the first time that they're going to, they're going to nail it, but this is going to free you up and empower people and create a better culture uh, within your business. That's key. That's leadership 101. You know, leaders don't build followers. Leaders build leaders. Um, the, giving them the ability to think for themselves. And uh, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, because you guys put out a bunch of great information. So I'm gonna dissect this or kind of go back to building systems, right? Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, because that, that's one of the harder things um, when it comes to scaling, uh, scaling businesses, right? Um, what advice do you have for, for creating systems as far as deal flow and maybe some of the back office works? I know you kind of mentioned uh, the VA for possible, for possibly, um, editing videos and things like that. But, um, what, what are some key systems that have really saved your, saved your business or have, have enabled you to scale to the level that you're at right now? 
I think the first thing everyone needs to do is they need to check their ego at the door. You don't have to be right anymore. You don't have to be smarter than anybody else. I think if you can figure yourself out that you're not the smartest person in the room, you're trying to hire smarter people than you. I think that's what everyone figures out. Um, so I don't want to be right ever again. I don't really care. Um, I want to hire people that really want to work with us. I think that's important. I think like Jake said, you really need to hire the right people in, in the right seat. We had a property manager. I like this guy a lot. He just was in the wrong seat and, and that was our fault. We put him in the wrong place. So, I mean, he failed ultimately, I think, because it was us not assessing his strengths and his weaknesses. As far as systems goes, we're using the scaling up process right now with coaching. So I think you really need to reinvest in your business and see where the holes are. We went to a one-day workshop this week also, with Joey Coleman, never never lose a customer, first 100-day journey. So trying to refine the systems of where, where you are. I think you need to assess your business, <clears throat> see where you are, and see where there's holes, and start looking at the holes and start diagramming the holes. I think the other thing is look at what you do on a daily basis. I think as the entrepreneur, if you're not doing tasks that are generating wealth or generating sales, I think that's the biggest mistake. So if Jake is not out there in the beginning trying to sign leases and trying to create value in his properties and trying to raise that NOI, everything else stinks because you're not going to be able to generate, you're not going to generate dollars. So if you can get rid of those low level tasks, those 12 to $15 an hour tasks, like Jake said, whether it's a bookkeeper, whether it's sending out emails, whether it's someone reading your emails, whether it's a leasing agent helping you out in this business, maintenance, don't go out and fix a toilet. Get somebody at 20 bucks an hour to fix it. I know it's hard in the beginning. You know, don't paint an apartment. Spend a whole day and a half painting an apartment when you can go out underwriting other deals, taking a broker to lunch, taking a, a banker to lunch. I think that's really important as far as building systems. Highest and best use of time, right? I think so. I also think it's, it's, there's so much to unpack with your question because you asked about mm -hmm. systems, but then, then you, you kind of dialed into deal flow. And, and I'll share an example of something that we experienced recently. Uh, we, we actually, our first thousand units, Gina and I bought in-house and we, we didn't syndicate or raise any money for those. And recently we started ac actually syndicating through our company, Rand Partners, because we had so many people asking to you know, become a part of our deals. So we opened that up to our investor list. And what we found was that you know, Dylan, who's on our team, was getting really bogged down and the deal flow was slowing because there's so much, you know, back end work that goes through running the syndication company, bringing on investors, you know, uh, you know, the customer facing with the investors, taking investor calls, their deal flow was slowing. So essentially what we did was we brought on another team member to help out with some of that back end work to, you know, allow more deal flow to start coming through. So what was happening was we'd get a deal under contract, we'd close on it, but then the deal flow would slow down because there was so much focus on working on the deal. So what we did is, okay, we got the deal flow, uh, or excuse me, we got the, the deal that's being closed. Now let's bring on another partner. So what we can do is now under continue underwriting and continue getting more deal flow to keep the, the well-oiled machine moving so it's not getting slowed down during the time that we're actually closing. And, and the, the questions also, you can go even deeper because are you running a property management company? Because that's a whole nother host of systems and things like that. Or, or are you running you know, somewhat of an investment business? And I think either way you go uh, from day one, good partners, like Gino said, that will help your systems out. Good attorneys on the team that aren't going to, you know, rape you with, with fees, having a, you know, a good bookkeeper, good accounting on board to make sure that stuff's being handled on the front end. And it's partnering with the right people, having good brokers on the team and building that team and that network out and then trying to get, you know, get good software in place and, and just start to chunk it down. And, and when I think the key is with systems, when you find yourself being pulled and getting taken away to Gino's point from doing income producing activities or doing the stuff that you're best at because you're processing paperwork. 
find a partner to help out with that to continue allowing the business to grow and, and take on new customers. And Jake, the other thing was when we started the syndication company a year and a half ago, we had about 500 in, uh, investors on our database. Um, it was because of Jake and Gino and because of the education and they're just sitting there rotting, right? And I said to Jake, I'm doing day-to-day -day for education. He's doing day-to-day -day property management. We, we can't, I can't call 500 investors. There's no way for me to cultivate that list. So we actually created the company, ran partners to do syndication, and we brought in another partner for that business. And that partner took care of that aspect of the business. And it became like a symbiotic relationship. So it wasn't the I'm a mentality anymore. Three years ago, I'd be picking up the phone, calling, calling all, the, all the investors, 30 minutes to get to know everybody. You times 500, you figure that out. It's gonna, I'm gonna be here till Christmas, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't do that. I, I, we hired somebody and then now the list has grown to 900. So, and it allowed us to be able to hire another employee. I mean, it's all, it's pretty, the hardest thing I think in being in business is when do you hire the next employee? It's like ripping off the bandaid. You may have to go negative for the first couple months to realize that, you know what, long-term. And that's what multifamily is. I always tell everybody, any businesses like that, you buy a property, you may not see money for the first couple of months because you're losing tenants. You have to put money back in and turn the property over. But then hopefully within the next six months, you'll stabilize it, you'll get the cash flow going again, and then maybe within the next 18 months, you can refinance the property and get that money all back and then some. So it's like a business. You have to really plan for the long term. You have to really budget your property out and see what we're doing. So, that's, so the syndication company is the same way. You have to budget it out. We saw there was money there from the asset management fees to pay for another employee, and that has actually landed us, landed us a deal. I mean, we hired the employee. As, as fate would have it, the week he started, we got it on the contract. It was the weirdest thing. Was. We <laughs> so all, it all worked out perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he literally, literally, like, yeah, when he started, the deal was underwritten. And, and, you know, one thing that I'm very proud of that we've done, and I challenge the listeners out there, any business that we've entered, we've put our own time and money at risk before we've asked other people to do it. So we went in, we bought our first deal, and we, we grew to a thousand units before we ever asked anyone, you know, to invest in our deals. And we didn't even, we weren't even asked, people were asking us to come into the deals because time and time again, we went in, we proved the framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right. We grew it to a thousand units with our own capital. We put our own time at risk. So that, you know, that enabled the property management company to grow, enabled the investment company to grow. And then we started RAN Capital, which is a, uh, a mortgage brokerage business. And we've, you know, I've personally been in, in the front lines doing all our financing. So over, you know, 35 transactions. So really learn the mortgage end of the business as well before we started that. So it's like time and time again, we put our, our time and our energy and our resources out there to prove a model, understand something before we bring it to market. And, and that's where, you know, if you look at Jake and Gino, the buy right, manage right and finance right, the wheelbarrow profits book, we've dialed in through doing before we've asked anyone to believe in us. And I think that's why you see this multifaceted multifamily of companies, you know, doing so well and being so successful because we put the work in up front. We didn't just jump in and say, Hey, have blind faith in us and trust us that this is going to work out. We've proven the model with our own time and capital on the front end. And I challenge people to do that and not be in the, uh, the, the rush to just throw something out there without actually proving it. And, and I think it'll pay off tenfold for you. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge uh, piece, uh, even for even for uh, myself, actually raising capital. And when do you start to actually raise capital? And when do you actually do? It? And I love the the route that you took in proving your own concept first it, on a very, very large scale, thousand, uh, getting to a thousand units. They I know call a lot it the get there itis, right, Gino? <laughs> yeah, get the get there itis. Yeah, mean, the, the, answer that, the answer to that question, when you start raising capital is when you shut this podcast off, you're going to go on down and you're going to write your power base on your paper and you're going to start raising capital today because you need capital before you need a deal. Because let's say you find a deal, 
you cannot tell anybody you don't know which you don't who you don't have a substantive relationship with about the deal. That's just the way it is. If you're doing a five hundred six b, you need to have if you have sophisticated. You, get the relationships going. you need to have the relationship. So it's like a chicken and egg kind of thing. And and that was one of the fears with us. Do we know enough people to do that? So everyone out there, the first thing they need to do when when this podcast is is, is shut down. Go out and as Grant Cardone says, create your power base. Who are your friends and your family members and your family members, friends and all that and start building it out and start telling people what you do or what you're aspiring to do and give them a little education. Create a one pager. We have a one pager for our RAND company that tells us about, about multifamily. You can talk about demographics. You can get into, into the weeds, but at the beginning, just start the conversation slow. Let them know that there's an opportunity that they can make some money investing alongside you and that's all you need to do, but that needs to get started today and then that'll pay off for fruits. That's, that's what happened with us. We did our first um, live event back in November of 2017. I remember after the event, I didn't even ask people for emails and I got like 30 people that signed up to the list, right? It was great. I had like 200 people. So um, it was great. It was cool. So that's what you need to do. I think that is as far as raising capital, start as soon as you can. I'm sure the Wilbell Profits helped out a lot because that, that's a like a, I think a world, world, world-renowned book. I mean, I, that, that's definitely in my top five favorite books. Um, if, if you haven't read that for any listeners, anybody watching this, uh, you definitely need to pick up the book. I've read it at least two times. Um, and I've listened to it on uh, audiobook as well. So it's just, it's a phenomenal book. It gives you the entire framework. And, and obviously it's based around the, um, the buy right, buy right, manage right, finance right um, pillar. So it's yeah, just, just a great book. So yeah. Okay. So, so, Pushing into um, uh, kind of wrapping it up a little bit, kind of getting to the last the last few questions. I don't want to take all your time here, so I could talk about real estate all day. I love love, love, love talking so to you guys. I got I got I got trees to cut. But uh, if you could give if you could give one piece of advice to any investor starting off on their financial freedom journey um, with real estate, what would that be? Well, I can go first. I, I could speak about this for days, right, Jake? So it depends where you're on your journey. If you're somebody in, in, in your 20s and you don't are not strapped down by having six kids and having a mortgage and having a car payment, having kids going to college and all, and you're young, forego that instant gratification of getting paid to uh, educating yourself. In your 20s, if you can really focus on yourself and growing yourself personally and uh, thinking about what you want to do, if you can become financially free, bootstrap it with getting duplex or triplex and maybe, you know, having your bills paid, that's when you can say to yourself, I can really focus on myself and I can focus on the opportunity because it's, it's just like it was the last 30 or 40 years. If you're working for W2, there's no growth there. There's not, there's, you got to constantly keep doing it. There's no creation of, of, of that, of that financial freedom. Now that's what I would do if I was younger. And, but if you're older, you know, the next step I would take is go find a life coach and get clarity on your life. What do you want for your life? Where do you want to go? Do you want to do the entrepreneurial journey? Is it scary? If it's scary, find somebody else who wants to tag along with you, someone who has the same core values, core beliefs, same integrity as you do, and hit your ride alongside that person and keep hold yourselves accountable to it. But you really have to have a strong enough why, because if you don't, you're going to fall off the wagon. You're like, you know what? I'm not really cut out for this, but that's why you need to have enough pain in your life. That's why you don't want to get to that point because it's not empowering at that point. But I mean, Hey, it worked for me. I wasn't empowered, but I was just pissed off enough that I pushed through all the crap and all the, all the tenants who drove us nuts and not having enough money and working 18 hours a day and all that stuff. Cause I didn't want to, continue doing what I was doing. So you can go the empowering route where you can become self-aware and conscious of what you want and then finding out a community or an environment that can help you with that. 
Um, I, th I think that's what the military does. They create that environment where you feel great. You're, they're raising your, your level of energy, your state. And that's what I think Jake and Gino's community has done, where we've amassed a great community of investors. They all share knowledge. They all share experience. No one's hating that group. Um, we're all supporting ourselves. If you need to ask a question, it's there. So find that kind of community if you want to, but really empower yourself by finding out what you want in your life. I want to piggyback off that a, a little bit because I, I got a little notepad as Gino's speaking. I'm jotting down some notes to myself here. Wow, and he's taking notes from me, huh? Dude, all right. <laughs> it's the G-Pad, man. You're saying some, uh, some powerful things here. And, and it really, what I just realized is that there's, there's three levels of whys. And the first level of why is why we were able to do what we were able to do. And it's pretty simple. We were persistent as shit. We just did not quit. I mean, time and time again, we were getting rejected and we came back and we show up every day. It's today, it's Saturday at 8 a.m. Gino and I have a call every day at 8.45. Our day starts at 6 a.m. and we're working because I know those three hours between six and nine, I'm getting ahead of people and, and, and really just making it happen. So the reason why it's worked for us is because we're not the smartest guys in the room, but we will outwork anybody. Bring it on. Let's go right now. We're going to take it down. I'm telling Let's you. Let's do it. We, we show up and we just grind our freaking faces off day in and day out. It's not easy. It's not glamorous. And, and sometimes it's, it's, you know, there's maybe a hundred dollar, you know, like prize at the end of it. And maybe sometimes there's, there's a million dollars, but regardless, it's showing up every day and, and working on the business to create a well-oiled machine. And in the beginning, it was literally just persistence being told no, showing up, showing up, showing up for two years until we crack through. And then it was like, literally, oh my God, the floodgates opened and it was go time. We just started knocking out deal after deal. That's true. That's how it went down. The second level of why is the personal why. For me, I was in the wrong seat. I needed to take control of my life and create financial freedom for my family. That was the fulfilling piece that I needed as a provider, as, as the head of a household, as, as a man. That's what was fulfilling for me. That's what I needed to do. The third level of why comes after all this stuff starts to accumulate and you're saying, what the hell is the core purpose? What are we doing now? We did all this. It's good, but I still need to be fulfilled. And we literally, Gino was talking about the scaling up session we had the other day. And, and we understand our strategy. And that's on every level that we do to create great customer experiences, great customer outcomes for the people we partner with. But there's a bigger umbrella at the top of that. And that is to improve the lives of others, whether it's we're on the podcast with you today, whether it's a resident that's living in one of our 1500 homes, whether it's a customer for Jake and Gino, whether it's someone doing a mortgage with us, we're attempting, and, and, and our folks as well, big time, we want to improve the lives of the folks that are working directly with us. And even if it's a vendor, it's value for value, and we're constantly trying to improve the lives of others. And that's the fuel that really rockets the Jake and Gino community. And we had no, like we knew this like almost intuitively, but it, was, it, it took a coach to extract that and it really put it down on paper. And we're like, holy shit, that's it. And it was just an eye-opening epiphany for us. So it's, it's constant evolution. You know, I'm sure we can talk to you in three years from now, and there's going to be another layer to this, and, and there's going to be a further, deeper understanding. It's because we're so, you know, involved in this. But that's, those are the three level of whys, Gene. I'm going to do a webinar on that now. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. So that's phenomenal. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much for um, the advice and the wisdom that you've you just provided and given to our listeners. I really, really do appreciate that. How can our listeners get in contact with you? Just go on our website, jakeandgino.com. Uh, we've got hundreds of articles on there. We've got all our podcasts on there. 
Um, we have the Jake and Gino channel on iTunes. Uh, we have four shows. Uh, we have the multi-family zone show. With, I do one with my wife every week for I love that. families. And it's great because, you know, I mean, it's a spouse. Spouses have to support each other. And it's all about communication, whether it's in a business environment or a family environment. Um, we have a syndication podcast. We have a movers and shakers podcast that our students get highlighted when they close a deal, which is really cool. And then we have the flagship Wheel of Our Profits podcast where we bring on experts and we just talk to anybody about real estate. So those are the probably the two best ways to, um, to, to, to connect with us. Great. I need to speak to the multifamily zone. My wife and I love that show. Uh, we actually just listened to one of the most recent ones when you and your wife were talking about the transition that, that you guys went down to, to uh, St. Augustine. I heard Jackson and I was like, oh, snap, that's actually where I'm from. So I was like, uh, that, that's, that's really, really cool. You talked about um, you talked about just how it what it meant to your family, you know, the the conflict that you had with uh, with your family in New York, you know, they didn't want you to leave and things. So I, I we really, really enjoy that podcast. Uh, especially it helps me, you know, get my wife along, you know, get my wife into uh, the real estate. So it's really, really refreshing to hear, hear uh, it from, especially somebody that we actually listen to and some, you know, I've read the books and um, been listening to you guys for a long time. So it was really, really refreshing to hear that and have that, uh, that family part there because uh, it's I'm, I'm real, right? As well. It yeah. is very, very real because very, it's very hard. Real. And anyone out there who has a spouse, um, it's tough because you're trying to chase mm. a dream. My mom, my wife is home with six kids. I'm out. She's thinking I'm partying, going to the bars and hanging out with the brokers and all. <laughs> and I really hate doing that because I'm more, of, I'm more of an introvert. So you really need to communicate. And I think she supported me because I just hated what I was doing. But at the same time, if you're going to be in Dan or Jake, you guys are going to be all in on this. You have to be in all in because you can't do that to your significant other by, by half-assing it. And she knew that I was never would never do that. So that's part of the communication. Hey, I'm going to try my best. And then the other thing, give her clarity. Why are we doing this? I'm doing this because I hate living in New York. I'm doing this because I want a better lifestyle for my children. I'm doing this because if I get a $5,000 bill from a dentist for my kids, I can pay it and not worry about it. You know, those things mean a lot to me. And if she doesn't know that, then she's going to say this real estate dream. And at the same time, I spend a lot of money in my education. I got educated. I didn't go out there and take a huge risk without knowing the risks, without showing her that I was smart enough to do it. So there's a lot on the person who's trying to achieve it to show up and make sure that they're ready for their spouse. So that's part of the reason why we wanted to do the podcast because it's important that, you know, spouses communicate what's going on in their lives and then being on the same page. Uh, we we love that show. Thank you for bringing that one. I got to give the Gina a quick, uh, quick plug here because he, he didn't hear about this. So uh, they did a customer uh, journey, customer experience training this last week. And we had, you know, our syndication team down there. Our regional manager from Knoxville went down there and, and she said to me, she's like, I, I'm go it's like I'm going into like this house of angels or something because it was the first time she went to Gino's house and there's six kids there. There's, there's all these people <laughs> in the house and she, and she has a, a counseling background, a master's in counseling. And she's like, it's just therapeutic being here and there's all these people, but it, it, it's just so wholesome. So when you, when you step into the G Dad's house, there's like this, oh, kind of like, <laughs> like you want to talk about walking into wholesomeness. Take a step into the G Dad's house, and and it just it's got all the good feels. So you know, I forgot. Thank to you. you, dude. My pleasure. It's not rocket science, everybody. Just love your kids and support your kids and be a role model to them. Is it hard, man? I want to I want to drop kick my kids sometimes. We all do, right? <laughs> Everyone has that feeling. But at the end of the day, just make sure you love them. Make sure you say, hey, I'm trying my best. And, and I think if we're, um, you know, acting out that way to our, our children, it's important because they have to see that we're vulnerable, that we make mistakes. 
because you don't want them to grow up to think that you're this perfect person because nobody is because then they're gonna have to aspire to something like that so it's important that you're there you provide and and I don't know about quality time but just spend time with them and, and be present with them so that's what real estate's allowed me to do is become a little bit more present I'm not working on Christmas Eve anymore yeah able to do that so I fully fully understand I got two little ones myself and uh, I've actually had had uh, my eldest in a couple of my videos four years old he 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 understands, uh, you know, daddy buys houses and <laughs> he, uh, we bring him in. I have a couple of pictures where, you know, trying to help him, uh, you know, drill things in or, or hammer stuff. So mm -hmm. it's very, it's, I, I love, I love it. I love it. And, and seriously, thank you so much for, that, for I listen to all the podcasts. I listen to hit your soul, buddy. That's, mm -hmm. that's that, that's that connection. And you know, you're in the right spot and that's when you're talking with the times get tough. And you got to dig deep to find that fuel to pull it through. Start, start looking at your kids and pulling that in, man. And, and that be, creates an unstoppable burning desire and energy within you. So that, I feel you, man. Definitely. I mean, and you, you talked about your whys, your levels of the three levels of whys. And, and uh, that is a huge why for me. You know, the, the ability to uh, give, teach and mentor my, my kids on, um, on wealth building and also just spending time with them as well. So, uh, again, really, really appreciate the multifamily zone. I, I appreciate the books. You know, I, I love the entire wheelbarrow uh, program, but especially the multifamily zone. That, that one really, really uh, speaks to me and my family. So. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having us on. And everyone, thanks for listening to us go on and on. We could continue to go on and on. But just remember one thing, like Jake said, the why is really important. Once you figure out the why, once you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, let's go figure out how to do it. And it's not that hard because if a pizza guy and a drug rep can do it, I guarantee you anybody else can do it. All right, much, guys. Much All like right. Dan, we are here to serve. We appreciate you, man. <laughs> hey, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate you. Um, and Make sure to reach out to Jake and Gino. All their links will be right here below. They'll be in the show notes if you're listening to this on podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, their, their links will be right below uh, the, the photo here. So other than that, uh, this is Dan Wynn signing off. Thanks, Dan. See you guys. Bye, everybody.